0: Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan. The lesson for today is from Mark, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, God's Son, happened just as it was written about in the prophecy of Isaiah. Look, I am sending my messenger before you, Who will prepare your way? A voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make us path straight. This is the word of the Lord.
1: And with that we turn to the text for today from the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 5. A prophecy to the people of Judah. Comfort, oh comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem. And cry to her that she has paid her term, that her penalty is served, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain, then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanksgiving was never meant to be shut up in a single day, noted the writer Robert Casper Littner, and yet it is our nature to try. The emphasis we put on this day and the potential for stress it carries are unquestioned. Johnny Carson quipped that on Thanksgiving, people travel thousands of miles to be with people they only see once a year, and then discover once a year is way too often. (laughs) How did you do it? You prepared. In physical ways, you got ready. You cleaned and chopped and chopped. You put clean sheets on the beds. You wiped down the backside of the toilets just in case your mother-in-law might look there. You prepared mentally, calculating the time and temperature of the oven, coordinating the courses for the gluten-free, the nut-free, the lactose-free, the vegan and the vegetarian. There was the emotional preparation, too. Put the past behind you, bothered not to bemoan the election, lamented the Lions losing again. Wait, the Lions won? The lions, the travelers too prepared for the crush of things to be done and the rush of arriving on time. And of course, Thanksgiving required spiritual preparation. You selected someone to give the grace, then carved your own headspace to give thanks to the one who deserves it. Each of us prepared to be with our loved ones or to love our particularly hard to love ones or love being alone this year. Thanksgiving requires such preparation. We merely can't phone it in. Ah, what a good thing is preparation. Beyond Thanksgiving, we have always known the value of planning. Preparation lowers our anxiety. It diminishes the power of surprise. We prepare for marriage and childbirth and home ownership, baptism, and, of course, colonoscopies. We prepare to get our driver's license, we prepare our taxes, we prepare for pilgrimage and the big games. Planning puts us more in control, but something more. When we are prepared for anything, good or bad, we are more able to feel at peace. Preparation brings a certain amount of comfort. Preparation and comfort. The relationship between the two has been on my mind of late as I and many others have been feeling, well, disoriented and uncomfortable. I wonder, is it perhaps a lack of preparation that has left me this way? Maybe so. Preparation and comfort come together in that experience of life we call anticipatory grief. Anticipating a loss generally assists us in making that loss a little more bearable. Anticipatory grieving does not diminish the power of the loss we feel around change, such as when someone we love dies, or maybe we move from a place we love to a home or a new job, or when our kids finally leave for college, or when we realize slowly that our marriage is over. But it does give us time to adjust to what will become the transforming moments in our lives. Sudden deaths, car accidents, cardiac events, house fires, anything unexpected leaves us reeling. Preparation begets comfort. And so we even prepare ourselves over the long course of life for that inevitable and ultimate change that we call death. You are dust, and to dust you shall return, we hear annually at the Ash Wednesday service as the mark is left on our foreheads. At every memorial service we attend, we anticipate our end. It does not make death more palatable or more bearable, but anticipating the inevitability brings a kind of comfort, to be sure. A therapist friend recently talked to me about all the post-election energy, the local and the national coalescing around justice issues and the efforts of the losing side to organize and channel their anger into change. She's a Hillary supporter, and she lamented to me, I'm not ready to do anything. I don't want to gather or march or write or reflect, donate my time or donate my money. I'm not ready to be comforted or challenged or called. I just want to grieve. I need time to grieve. Now, no matter where you stand on the election or for what side you cast your vote, the result was unanticipated. There was no comfort or celebration to be anticipated in the preparation, for the polls fully failed to prepare one side to lose and another side to win. On Wednesday morning, the losers lacked anticipatory grieving, and the winners anticipatory celebrating. Change is hard, and change is uncomfortable. Preparation for change is crucial, and without it, we need time to adjust to grieve, to deal with the new reality, to take on new challenges, and to process our discomfort. This was not what we expected. So, how do our leaders move forward? How do we move forward? When and how do people come together in spite of the unexpected, choose to seek common ground, and accept this new landscape in which we find ourselves that we might work together? And what does the church have to say about any of that? The season of Advent couldn't come at a more opportune time. A time to attune our ears to the divine doxology that change has already come, and not change of our own making, but what God is doing among us. It is a time of expectation and waiting, but not of a passive kind. Advent is not a time of anticipatory grieving. It is instead a time of anticipating joy, unfettered, love, unbounded, and endless hope. Since the year 480, when the Roman Catholics put a name on our ancient longing for Christ, Christians have prepared for Christ coming into the world in this season of Advent from the Latin adventus, which means coming. Christ is coming. The church slows down time to join Mary in her pregnancy that we savor the story and ponder these things, that every heart would prepare him a room. We prepare for his birth. We anticipate his death. We eagerly await the ultimate redemption of all that happens when he comes again into a season of unending peace. Our tools for preparation are the Advent calendars, the wreaths, the daily devotions, and so much more, and the words from the prophet too and the soaring music of Handel. Now, Isaiah has a story to tell us about the relationship between preparation and comfort. It was not a relationship that started so well, but by the end it becomes a love story that can be instructive to us in the church and in our own lives as we make a way forward in this wilderness world. The first part of this stirring prophecy, Isaiah's first 39 chapters, are all words of warning. The prophet Isaiah is sent to give the people of Israel the bad news about the bad things are about to happen to them, things that they have brought on themselves because of their sin. Assyria is going to attack them. Cities will lie waste without inhabitants. Houses will be without people. The land will be utterly desolate. And the Lord will send everyone far away. Vast will be the emptiness in the midst of the land. This is God's punishment, the divine rebuke. The people should prepare to suffer. In chapter after chapter, Isaiah warns them of their upcoming misery. To people in the hands of a harsh God calling them to account, Isaiah tells them, prepare, prepare for pain. Comfort will come, but only much later. Prepare, and then comfort. And then, into chapter 40, verse 1 we go, and with a two-syllable word, the second part of this prophecy radically turns. A new voice, another Isaiah, calls us into a new territory. With that first word, comfort, we cross into a time nearly two centuries later, words of a second prophet speaking to a different community, now the demoralized people of Judah, with the words that Steve Pierce will sing to us in a little while, 2nd Isaiah begins, Comfort, comfort ye. This Isaiah arrives with good news. Enough is enough. 150 years of captivity in Babylon, it's ending. And though Jerusalem was much destroyed, their economy was largely in shambles. Comfort, not judgment, appears. Gone are the days of blame and despair. The penalties paid. The sorrow is over. They are coming home. And not because of what they have done, but because of what God is doing. Comfort, comfort ye my people. A voice cries out, in the wilderness make a way of the Lord. Comfort precedes preparing. Comfort and then prepare. Such a small thing, this reversal of words that heralds a new era, a new way of God's people to see themselves and understand their destiny. Isaiah is called merely to prepare for the worst so that comfort may someday come, but Judah, however, is called by another Isaiah to know, to know the deep comfort of God's faithfulness so that preparation can follow. Reverse the words and you reverse the way, you upend the order of things. And so God takes over and transforms their story, traversing centuries of passive suffering to call them to dramatic action, to take charge, to make a way for what God is doing. People of God, this is the first Sunday of Advent. This this is the season for the people of 2nd Isaiah chapter 40. For over 2,000 years, comfort incarnate, unending comfort has been ours. Christ has already come. What now? Prepare. Act. Do. We best get out of bed and be making a way in that wilderness and building that highway of peace. The church is here to prepare our world for something wonderful, to proclaim what God is doing, to prepare the people to praise, to put down a pathway to what is possible Watch for it. The glory of the Lord will be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. Talk about God upending the order of things. Christ has come, church. And that changes everything. It's all moved. Advent is this time when we remember and proclaim that the world was turned upside down. The words have been reversed. We are not preparing for good news. The good news has already come. We are to prepare the world for a way for what is already happening even now. Except there's a problem. It's kind of preposterous, if we're honest. For much of the world seems to be stuck back in 1st Isaiah, those first 39 chapters. Those in exile, children in Aleppo, people in poverty, Still with us are these things, disease and domestic violence and economic deprivation and discrimination. There are too many swords and not enough plowshares. And it seems silly to imagine that all flesh will see it together, the Catholics and the Jews, the black teen and the white cop, Russia and the U.S., Israel and Palestine, the Koch brothers and Bono, you and that toxic person in your life you let go of years ago. Or that in seeing it, we will have any clue what to do with it. This glory of the Lord. Despite our singing the words here in our sanctuary, even the church trends toward the world of 1st Isaiah. What do we talk about? A loss of members, a steady stream of missteps, the church often appears confused and disoriented, unsure of who we are and what we are to do. Where is the world that Christ promised? Where is the hope of Isaiah? We read the numbers, the datas, the polls, the tea leaves. Cambridge professor George Steiner said, We are experiencing an eclipse of the messianic. We have forgone hope in favor of actuarial tables. Yes church there is a problem. The world will never move from verse 39 to verse 40 if we do not lead the way. How can we reverse the words? How can we hear this call beyond comfort to get going, to prepare? Well one must one more reversal must come to pass. One more shift. Much harder than swapping some words on an ancient manuscript, we simply must come to see ourselves differently. Because this comfort is a call to action. You see, the message of Isaiah is not ours to sit here pleasantly and receive. It is ours to give. This prophecy is not ours to sit in these pews and hear, but in fact to speak, to bear, to live, to make it so. Advent is not passive waiting for this truth to take shape. It is expectant hope becoming incarnate in you, in me. We are not ears here to hear the prophet's words of comfort we are the prophet's voice for the world to hear in word and in deed go tell it on the mountain and as we are ever reminded we do not do this alone but by the power of god and on his word richard ward asks how dare we speak of this god who proclaims that all people shall see it together The people of God are the ones commissioned, the faithful people who, in the face of indifference, derision, or any evidence to the contrary, are to speak of this God whose fierce compassion and care for humankind trumps any other power. Advent, he says, is a time for our community to find its voice, overcome its objections, and speak words of comfort and assurance to anyone and everyone that God has arrived Well, as we start this new church year, as we begin this Advent, let me be the first to invite you to join me in preparing this world to be what God intends. Reverse the words in how you live your life and in how we are the church. We are not here for anticipatory grieving. We are here for anticipatory celebrating. Somehow that makes me decidedly uncomfortable. How about you? In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.
0: Let us pray. Heavenly Lord, we pray for our world and all the life we share it with. We pray for your creation, Lord. Help us to be better stewards, to protect what is left of it and cherish the gifts it brings. We also pray for the people of the world. For those in Aleppo who have lost loved ones in the war in Syria, be with the children who seem especially affected by these horrors. So many are in need of immediate attention and they will not receive it. God, please be with them. We pray that the medical support that is needed arrives in time. We also pray for the people of Cuba in this time of transition and for their country's continued development. We pray for the people of South Korea and for their president. May she make the most correct decisions in line with your will. Lord, with the unrest, please provide peace and direction. Lord, just as we pray for other lands who are experiencing distress, we pray for our own country. Give our leaders guidance. Give our people a love like yours. Lord, with hope in our hearts, Help us all to look to you in these times of tension. Help us to overcome our differences and seek out the Holy Spirit in every soul. Help us to turn to you above all else. As the weather grows colder, we pray for the safety and health of our communities. The colder months are difficult for many. Help us to help the homeless, to keep them warm to wrap our children in coats and put warm food in their bellies this season. Lord, we pray for our elderly, those most susceptible to illness. Be with them and their families as we enter into this winter season. Give them wellness in body and in spirit. Please be with those who are currently in the hospitals and care facilities. Give them strength. Bring warmth to the lonely and calm to the anxious. Be with their doctors and nurses. Give them steady hands and loving hearts. Be with them in the busyness. When they grow weary, Lord, lift them up. Be with the families of the sick and the dying. May we know you are with us in every step of life, through hardships and from beginning to end. You join us in sorrow and in celebration. Lord, especially please be with those who face the Christmas season with grief and loneliness, who face these coming weeks without a loved one for the first time. Lord, we anticipate your birth. We wait with hope on our hearts for peace, love, joy, and salvation. As much as ever, Lord, we need you. Help us to embrace your invitation into a life with Christ this Advent season. We pray all these things in the name of Christ, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom,